Outside the system and then some This is the mouthpiece of the natural earth forgotten At this point in time, humanity's been kept from the truth So Chinatown Radio offers the coordinates to a path out You're searching for something whole Cause what you see is real life You're watching this world unfold The truth beneath the lies Rekindling what's been stole The need to free one's mind Uncover the truth exposed So people see the light Let's shut it down so we can know It's simple, we just break it down a little bit So we can process all Make the switch and elevate yourself to conscious mode And it's beneficial we can get this concept rolling Get the future generators wanna stop the whole thing But the message thing is ready, we can start a post Taking in the simulating, getting lots of numbers Waking up the population, try to stop hypnosis Welcome to Chanting Down Radio. Are you chanting down the system or is it chanting down you? We deprogram from the deep program on Chant Down Radio. I'm your host, Loomis. This is episode 108. This is volume 2 of the Galactic Neighbors uh, mini-series here within a series called the People Beyond series. I know that's a little confusing sounding, but... Uh, basically, I broke up the last episode into two parts, so uh, it didn't get too too meaty and too much information because um, I tend to do that, and also people's attention spans in the world are short these days. In fact, they say they're as short as eight seconds less than a goldfish now, um, which I've talked about before on the show. But if you're listening to the channel down radio, then you... Um, probably have a better attention span than most and you're probably aware of what goes on in the world and you're uh, probably trying to climb out of this matrix in one way or another. So um, your your, uh, listening capacity is much larger than most. But I, I divided this up into two parts simply because I think it's good to take a break and also uh, Anyway, unless I have a guest on, I don't want to have too long, spend too long talking about uh, one thing because I think it can kind of get even hard for somebody who listens well. So this is part two of Galactic Neighbors, volume two, you could say. And um, I recommend that you do go back into the archives of the show and listen to the... um, other parts of the Beyond Earth series. This is part 11 of the Beyond Earth series. And so we've gone through um, quite a few subjects on this show. And this shows, this entire series of shows is just to do with ufology and uh, just that particular 
part of it. Now, um, there's much more than than uh, just this because we have uh, a variety of subjects on the show. So I'm just talking about one unique strand of Chant It Down Radio. So if you are interested in the show, in in uh, the variety of topics that that we talk about here, I recommend going to chantitdownradio.com and check out the series of show page where you can scroll through and see what you may want to uh, get involved in as far as uh, that the different subjects that I've, I've hosted here. Uh, so the Beyond Earth series, just to give you a little guide just uh, on audio here, um, part one was episode 74, Civilization is Alien. Part two is uh, episode 75, The First Settlers. Part three is episode 76, Cultures with Creatures. Part four is episode 78, and that is superhuman sites in the Western Hemisphere, which were megalithic sites and things like that. And episodes, uh, a part five was episode 79, superhuman sites in the Eastern Hemisphere. And then um, part six of this was episode 81, Tales from the Sky. Part seven was episode 87, Lifting the Veil, with uh, guest Sun Tukey. And part eight was episode 92, The Moon Mystery. And part nine was episode 96, uh, Crop Formations. And then part ten was last episode, 107, the uh, Galactic Neighbors Volume 1. So as you can see, I come back to this series of shows here and there. So uh, it's just not the only subject matter on Chanet Down Radio. Uh, so that is some other episodes you might want to catch up on within this mini-series in case you're a little lost or anything like that, especially catch up on the last one so you can kind of, because I'm just bringing this conversation where I left off last. Uh, but, you know, um, I think all the information that I'm trying to put out, I feel has a lot of importance to it. So it, it, it really is important to study it all. Um, we, we live in a very sterile world where, where you mention something to the general public that, that is out of their comfort zone and out of what they normally deal with, um, they, they get um, comfortable. Like you could mention Reiki healing to an average person on the street. They don't know what it is, you know, Reiki healing using the life force. Um, they say, oh, that's so hippie. Or you could mention, like recently here in Hawaii, we have the eruption of the volcano on the Big Island, and that is uh, Pele, the goddess of the volcano in Hawaiian culture. Some people are talking about Pele a lot more, and you know that she's awoken and and she's cleaning house. Well, um, that is a little abstract for a lot of people, and and or if you talk about spirits or ghosts or something like that or anything, that's just not in people's everyday world but our everyday world is bound by slavery bound by you going to work you coming home you making food you doing grocery shopping you doing the regular everyday fight or flight survival mode stuff that 
doesn't bring you out into the rest of the world to see what really goes on. You know, um, especially America. America's a bubble within a bubble because it's Western culture sterilized to its core. People watch way too much television, watch the tell or listen to the tell live vision vision series, another great mini series to deprogram from that whole mess. Uh, but yeah, we, um, you know, we don't get, uh, we don't get, um, uh, experiences outside the system and people, they don't have a file drawer for it. They don't know where to put it. And even though, um, I think it's more than half of the, uh, population of the world believes in aliens, they, they don't know where to put it in real life because it, yeah, it isn't part of our daily life because, well, it's also with, within another more like multidimensional and hidden from us purposely during this time. I was talking about in the last episode, uh, there was a time where it seems that, more than one time probably, where it seems that this stuff was all out in the open. Uh, check out the painter Carlo Crivelli's paintings. There's UFOs in the background. That's just one of the many Italian Renaissance painters where you'll see this kind of thing in, in the background. Obviously, a, a saucer ship. So there's, there's, why would that be there? You know, and, and, and so there was a time when this was more of everyday life. But we uh, have been very sterilized, and people that were raised it, by science in the schools raised in logical left-brain trap thinking, raised in closed-minded churches as well. Closed-minded churches who don't even see that there's E.T. throughout the Bible or the Torah or the Koran and all these religions that they don't, they just go by traditionalism and not the actually looking at what they're reading under a new lens. So, if anything, I hope you can, uh, in, it, this series of shows can just help open you up to an amazing world. I mean, we live in a universe that's endless. To think that there's not life beyond that is so insane and silly and ridiculous. And people just need to shake out of it. So, uh, well, I'll bring you the rest of the this uh, information here. And... Um, you know, this, again, is a rudimentary breakdown of what people see. There are books written on this kind of stuff, but I'm going over it, opening you up to the world as if you've never heard of this stuff before, and perhaps you have, and someone who's a, uh, a expert within this kind of um, domain, then you would think, well, this is just basic, but it's still allows it to be put through the strainer of Chan It Down Radio, which gives you a look with some skepticism in itself, because we can't just go by what we hear. We have to take it through some kind of a filtration in order to really look at what people are saying so we can get to the bottom of this. And so that's what I'm doing with this series of shows. And um, yeah, um, again, if you enjoy it, uh, just keep on... uh, Uh, listening, spreading the word, and help support. Alright, so without further ado, this will be the second part of last episode's discussion. And it's actually the sorry, the Nomo that were the fish people in the Dogon tribe. Uh, And they were the the, uh, uh, what they called the fish people. Now, uh, just to wrap it up a little bit, just a theory of mine is I think 
seems like only in ancient accounts did people have uh, any sort of accounts or interaction with these beings. And nowadays, I don't think you hear much about them. So it seems like either they've, you know, left or just not part of the human experience. But who really knows? So anyway, moving along here. So we've got, we've covered the, the greys and the reptilians and the fish people. Now let's get into the Nordics. So uh, a lot of abduction accounts report blonde-haired, blue-eyed, humanoid people that could pass for humans. And some people, or contactees, think of them as maybe an advanced human race. Their, their bodies are usually well-developed and healthy. They're very attractive. Eyes are blue and usually bigger. And they have been seen in underground bases as well, which makes me think, you know, um, that would be uh, more negative if anybody was in an underground base and anything hidden from the human population is hiding for a reason, and usually that reason would be to keep it from the general public and therefore keep the people dumb. So I would automatically classify, unless someone's a prisoner in these underground bases, that they would be negative. Now, anyway, you know, that's open for a whole lot of speculation. But uh, anyway, also many people say that they are telepathic and can share consciousness by uh, swapping into your body or theirs vice versa. Uh, and take on their consciousness. Also, greys have been known to swap into their bodies, apparently. Um, and so, most accounts, uh, there is just a mixed bag of accounts. Some accounts are negative, and some are positive, and some are neutral. You know, I've been told that there's different factions that would make sense, and we'll come back to the positive aspect when we get into the Palladians or the Pleiarans. Uh, nobody seems to have a proper explanation of whether these beings originated on another planet or earth it's kind of uh, open for speculation and so um, there's a lot to kind of look at with that and it's just um, it's wide open you know um, but let, let's sidetrack just for a little bit here I hope nobody gets too offended by this but we need to grow up and well let's get racist let's get human racist I mean people need to get over race anyway and they just need to live we need to get over thinking about all this kind of stuff as far as uh, you know um, the the mind program the society program out there that's being pushed to the media but look look I just think about things and and ponder you know I, I think about races of humans and sometimes I wonder you know when you look at the planet and where everybody came from where did the Caucasian people come from exactly and and there are very few records of white people that lived in tribes um, I actually did meet a person from an indigenous tribe in Sweden called the Sami, and um, that was on a plane ride, and there was an in international conference here in Hawaii that was a, uh, a conference of indigenous people, so I, you know, that's a very rare person to meet, but in general, there is not a lot, for the most part, it seems that a lot of the Caucasian people always lived in civilization, you know, um, the oldest civilizations, at least in Europe, are always been civilizations. There's not really a lot of tribal living, you know, as we would we would think of it. Differently lived, anyway. But, you know, I, I sometimes ponder, could Caucasian people have been hybrids of this race? I mean, just consider it. I mean, if you look at Earth history, at least recent Earth history, the white man has created most, not all, but most of the dominating mass destruction, killing, 
and removing of indigenous peoples on Earth. And not all, but a lot of uh, going around the planet and culling uh, and destroying. And, and, you know, a lot's happened, and that's why the... um, there's so much backlash today. However, I'm not one to get into that. I'm not one to go with that at all. I think there's a huge uh, campaign out there purposely put to put down uh, anybody, especially the white male. And that's not, that's not, that's, I'm not part of that program. You know that I chant it down. But, and, um, but if you do just look at this history, and what I'm trying to get at here is that the white man has been, often known as living against the ways of nature more than most, at least the Caucasian rulers anyway. So, I mean, there, it's, it's possible that this was an introduced race or hybrid race amongst the earth. But then again, let's look at even a bigger picture. Let's look at a broader look. Were humans hybridized many different ways? Were they, you know? Um, I mean, just think about this. Look at a man from China and then, and a, then a tall... Uh, Tutsi man, you know, uh, th- from Africa. They don't look a thing alike. And how are we supposed to believe that humans all sort of evolved out of one archetype? You know, it's, it's uh, I, I mean, ha- we have so many shades of skin color and face variations. And so I think it's just something to look at. I mean, people need to grow up and quit getting offended over this stupid bullshit that the media is peddling out and let's just face reality we're all humans but everyone looks different and it's okay to acknowledge that and it's not racist you know i love diversity i live in the hawaiian islands where everyone's mixed everybody's quite a few ethnicities and i think it adds to the spice of life i think it adds to variety it gives you know a a lot to offer when you can take from different cultures here and there but it's not just about skin color that people are different. It's facial features that are vastly different. Hair is different. So, you know, just as a sidetrack, I mean, where, how did everybody get so different? Well, scientists, mainstream scientists, believe, you know, that, or most anthropologists recognize that there are four major race classifications in the world, which include Caucasian, Mongoloid, or Asian, Negroid, or Black, and Australoid, which would people be people from um, uh, Australia, New Guinea, um, the Melanesian peoples mainly. Uh, so uh, that's what they say. And they also say human racial diversity is a result of people in a geographic area intermarrying, being exposed to a number of biological processes and adapting slowly to local environments. These biological processes include combining and recombing inherited genetic material over the generations which produces offspring and descendants who differ from their parents and ancestors. The environment may favor certain characteristics producing populations that are are on the average taller or darker or more rugged than other populations from other geographic areas. Isolation and inbreeding of, of some populations may produce differences as well. These natural processes occur in humans as well as other animals and are the source of much study in biology and anthropology. So there you have the official reason of that we're all different. And I agree that definitely inbreeding, which is not a good idea, is going to make people look different. And I believe that there is, you know, uh, geographic reasons why people would look different, but the extreme differences 
you know, and and I don't know. Um, I think humans have evolved traits that make them suited to their environment, and that's fine for most if you believe in the official documentations and the so-called theory of evolution and all that. And then, and then just for the other side of the coin, then there's the Bible version. And the Bible version is the dispersion of humanity across the earth from the Tower of Babel accounts for the many different people groups. Yahweh separated and dispersed family lines by giving them different languages. And each family line had a distinct set of genes since they were isolated as a result of language differences. Different groups exhibited, sustained, and accentuated different genetic characteristics okay so that's the bible version too and um you know it still doesn't quite do it for me but let's you know just ponder that you know as this little sidetrack here that <clears throat> humans are all very different yes we all have hearts and souls and and ultimately we're the same uh but in appearance we all are very different and that's okay to acknowledge but let, you know does it, it all has an origin so um, basically, it's just good to kind of consider, just to think about, you know, that humanity may have been hybridized many times, and um, also just as a note, Yahweh in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of accounts where it it sounds to me that a lot of these things, once you read and see the world through a new lens of looking at this ET phenomena you realize that a lot of these stories go extraterrestrial, and Yahweh himself may have been extraterrestrial. So when Jesus came in the New Testament, he was saying things that were very contradictory to the ways of the Old Testament. So it's something to consider, too, that this, you know, that um, that there were what were quote-unquote gods in those days. But anyway, let's get back to the Nordics here. So um, the Nordics are often seen wearing tight body suits, blue suits, and sometimes space helmets. Now, I was saying a little bit ago, uh, when I was talking about the Greys and the Travis Walton abduction, um, the, in the movie Fire in the Sky, they didn't put this, but he not only saw Greys on the ship, but he saw Nordics, and he thought they were humans. And and once he broke away from the Greys, who were like, um, you know, prodding him and poking him and, and whatever, uh, he... Uh, he asked them questions, but they just ignored him. They didn't even hear him. And, and uh, so they didn't put the Nordics in the movie Fire in the Sky. And then that makes me wonder why. And some, some say that if the elite do a disclosure, that they'll use the Nordics. So it's not such a crazy, scary thing compared to the, to like the greys or reptilians, and which would make sense because it would freak even me out, you know, uh, to see and many people out to see that, you know, disclosure of those creatures versus a more humanoid, regular human-looking person. So, um, so some even say that they, they may try to pose as humanity's creators, too, these Nordics, and it's, it's quite possible, and beware if that happens, because that's, that's where we, I'll get into that a little bit more later here. But, um, another famous abduction story involves Antonia Boes of Brazil, and this was in 1957. Uh, he was uh, a farmer, and he was taken from his farmland by a red star and people in helmets and overalls like suits, which is another creature or, you know, species that who knows what, you know. But when he was taken aboard the craft, you know, he eventually had sex with a blonde 
uh, very attractive blonde humanoid female with big blue eyes, and he thinks they use him for his sperm. And, um, well, yeah, you know, we can only go off of what people say, you know, but, you know, there, there is a lot of people reporting these, these mixtures of, of entities with Nordics and Greys and, and sometimes Nordics and Reptilians and, and you know, a variety. So, it, it, you know, it all comes from something. But what did the indigenous say? And I, I can't really find too much on that other than I was thinking of my little theory back a bit about, you know, were Caucasian people hybridized by these people? But if you look at the Incas and they say about the, what they say about the, the Viracocho, they were, uh, they were bearded with red hair, certainly not like the complexion of, of people there. Um, and you find this white cloaked bearded character in several traditions, and maybe they mean white skin and not white cloaked. You know, it's a possibility, but and and so um, that's that's um, what the indigenous say that I could find, anyway. Um, you know, and then what do debunkers say? Well, that other than it's just made up, I couldn't really find too much uh, on the debunking because, well, you know. It's doesn't it doesn't seem as crazy as as these other crazy looking entities when you can see uh, I guess someone who looks like a Swedish man or something you know, uh, but what do I say? You know I I think the Nordics are, are possibly real uh, definitely good chance. I mean, could they be time travelers from a from a future a more advanced race of humans? I don't know you know maybe. I think stories like Travis Walton's are more realistic than some others and it, and it could be an, an I think an unusual lie to involve Nordics and Greys together, if it if it was just Greys to um, do the um, disclosure, then it would be a different story. But it, it, it I think it's interesting that bit of it. So, yeah, um, I I think there's a good possibility, and there's enough people saying it, then it's going to have to be coming from somewhere. So, it's all part of the consideration of a picture that we're trying to put together here. Okay, so then there's the Billy Meyer story. So let's get into this. Um, since he was five, Billy Meyer, who is a, a, a man from Switzerland, uh, in 1942 he claims to have had contact with a race of beings called the Pleiarans. They are from the Palladian system and look like Northern Europeans. So I guess these could be the same as Nordics. I mean, it so it seems, right? And he has provided photographs and metal samples that can't be disputed. I mean, actually, it's the most thoroughly researched and validated UFO case in our history. And it has, and he has given prophecy and prediction of the future. I think he predicted things like the Internet and predicted 9-11. So there really is something to this that shouldn't be written off without looking into it. Because a lot of people uh, automatically debunk him. But that also makes me wonder, Why? especially if he's provided all this proof. Uh, and I, I, I think that um, it is, you know, such a scientifically proven thing that that it helps, I think it would help anyone kind of, uh, you know, kind of put together something anyway, at least. And, and it makes you wonder what's real, him or the people that are battling his case with their agendas. And that's that's true. And so these are positive ETs, and that, that's something that um, is also 
to take from this, and I think there's some good nuggets to pick from the case. He's written 40 books, mostly in German, compiled over 6,000 pages of documented info, and had many attempts on his life. And I, it, it, I think, you know, that he must be touching on things that others don't want out there, or who would want to, uh, who would want to, you know, take someone's life unless they are exposing something like that that people don't want out there. And he's been doing it for a long time. You know, nowadays if someone came out with that with the internet, everybody would just be like, oh yeah, there's some one more weirdo. But this was back in the day, uh, so. Um, you know, people weren't really talking like him and coming up with such a hard case back then, but providing metal samples and stuff. So there's something to take from that. And supposedly they're positive and um, there is positive entities out there too. So it's not all just negative, but, uh, and I'm kind of reporting on both of them. Anyway, uh, I've been talking a while and it's time to take a break. I, um, I thought I'd put this song on here uh, and it's called Seven Seal. If you've never heard of the the artist, the hip-hop artist, Mike and I, and you're a hip-hop fan, then I think you're missing out on a whole lot. Mike and I is the originator of so much in hip-hop, and it's unbelievable. He got so little credit for everything. You know, groups such as Bone Thugs and Harmony, and uh, a lot of people took his style and made lots of money on it. And these guys, these, it's the L.A. underground that was is so so um, overlooked and most people don't even hear about it but if you're a true hip hop fan and you like old school hip hop um, then you should check out Micah 9. Micah 9 I think is one of my most favorite MCs of all time and he helped inspire me personally and many people around me because they were like um, fathers to the, um, the hip hop that I was creating back in the day so uh, it these people very influential from the LA underground and uh, I think it's worthy a listen and I'll, and I'll catch you on the other side
Mr. Quasar, starting age joke schemes of global subjugation, close to fruition, warp and telekinetic measures, a rhythmic unison of a mindless, timeless, shine, beacon, brewing commentary, straight intuitive to the most minute detail of your physiology and anatomical function, conjunction, junction, your life energy will invigorate and renew the fragments of stagnant flows and value the attempts to stand juxtapose the spiritual prose, ascribe the tribe to tribe, transferring, blurring, stirring foes, up and away in the UFOs. So, uh, but, uh, I'd rather be in here hot than getting eaten by mosquitoes. The wicked, wicked creatures. Unbelievable. But anyway, uh, so the next, uh, entity that we're going to talk about here that people spot is the mantids. The mantids are some, uh, they're really large praying mantis-like creatures. And some that say they are in charge of greys. Uh, mostly negative encounters are, and a lot of people say that they're often high ranking in positions and work with reptilians 
Some say they work uh, with reptilians and could be some sort of hybrid of them. Uh, many report these beings as six to seven feet tall with long, thin torsos. Their necks, arms, and hands have additional joints. Their heads are insect-like and triangular with large slanted eyes of deep brown to black. Well, you know, out of all these these creatures, um, I guess maybe the reptilians would be pretty scary too, but, you know, to see one of these in your face as you woke up, uh, you probably want to grab the first thing to, to protect yourself, or you might just puke or crap your pants and fright. I mean, but, you know, there's not a lot about them um, that is really, like, uh, to... Uh, other than just sightings, uh, enough people have sighted them, but they're less they're known and less sighted than the other entities I have brought up already. Uh, but they're definitely um, sighted enough that they're worth mentioning. And um, well, not a whole lot of information I can really grab other than kind of just the same stuff I I kind of been reading again. But what do the indigenous say? Well. The Khoisan tribe of Africa specifically regard the mantis as the first living creature upon the earth who granted life to animals and humans, inventing language and bringing fire to the people. It is even said that the mantis created the moon as a guide for hunters by throwing a gallbladder into the sky. Well, um, I think that there might be a little bit to touch on that with the moon's part of it there. The when I talked about in episode 92 the moon mystery, I was talking about a theory and quite a popular theory out there that the moon was indeed uh uh some type of a spaceship and brought here and um you know um that the mantis maybe created the moon, you know, they they could be involved in that and these these evil entities maybe came from the moon and the moon was brought here you know i mean we're going out there on a limb but that's all you can really do with this information uh what do debunkers say and debunkers really i mean other than it doesn't exist there isn't a lot on that either and what do i say well i say uh well yeah uh that that it's just another possibility and enough people are saying something about it or reporting it that are unconnected that it brings me to the conclusion that, you know, again, nothing just comes out of thin air. It came from something. And so uh, there's some credibility to be lended there to that. And that's about as far as I can really go with that. But um, all right. Well, okay. So let's get into this. So who were the Anunnaki? You know, that's a thing that I've always, um, that's that I always think about myself. I mean, who were they? You know, we went over them in, in the original episodes of the Beyond Earth series. Uh, you know, were they a race sort of like uh, Nordics, but larger? You know, these were huge people. Um, were they the same as the cone-headed skulls in ancient Egypt? And I don't think there's an easy answer. Uh, I feel like that there was a hybrid that happened to humanity in order to put tribal hunter-gatherers in a position to choose civilization and slavery, I think something happened there, and um, something brought these people out of that lifestyle more like enslaved them, and it's possible, too, that the Anunnaki maybe they look nothing like us, and they breeded with Nordics to create the elite bloodline. Um, 
you know, which again can be go back to David Icke's theory of the reptilian Nordic breed to be the rulers. Yeah, and, and uh, I suppose uh, are you know some people also say that they were Lyrians or Lyrans. Uh, don't know if that's correct, but that they came from that system and um, they, you know, created the enslaving enslaved a culture created a hybrid of humanity and then they um they then these other entities like reptilians came and and uh uh caused the downfall of man you know um there's there's a lot of of possibility here too i mean who knows but uh there's a lot of different ways to take the tales of the sumerian tablets and the bible i mean uh I've I've heard theories that the Anunnaki had maybe more like wrinkly looking skin, not necessarily, you know, um, scaly but wrinkly, and it was forbidden to draw, paint, or sculpt what they really look like. It was forbidden, and you were punishable by death. So there's just that's there's a whole open area for speculation there, um, and I've I've also heard, and you know, there's this, some people talk about that there's going to be an Anunnaki return. And some say that 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 aliens were out in the open for a long time and even were warring with each other. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, there is a possibility. It seems like through history uh, there, there were times until more recent day that they were all out in the open. We'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit about some of the Italian Renaissance painters and UFOs and their art. But... Um, I've also heard that some, now this, this I've also heard about is that, that, um, when they were out in the open, these, these, uh, these entities, whether it was Anunnaki or, or whoever, that, uh, some third party overseer group, possibly positive, stepped in and implemented a quarantine, which said, you can't openly interfere with humanity anymore until they are advanced enough to make the choice as to who, whom to align with. So, um, I, I, I entertain that theory, you know, and we're going to come back to just that little bit, uh, when I kind of bring this all into a conclusion. But let's talk about something else, and that, that this brings me to the technology takeover, because, you know, talking about humanity um, getting advanced enough. Uh, there are several ways you can look at it all, but technology, it itself is its own alien invasion. It's taking over humanity on many levels. I mean, it's it's building a platform for AI to live on or live in, and I mean, just look at it. I mean, look at everybody is entrenched in technology, and, and you know, I've gone over that a lot on this show because that's what's happening to humanity in present time. I mean, look, less than 15 years ago, who heard of Wi-Fi? I mean, it, not even that really. I, I mean, uh, I started hearing about it in maybe like 2006, and now it's everywhere. Look at society; everyone's drawn into their 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 devices. I remember, you know, I mean, just in my lifetime, my short life, I went to having a radio Walkman, and then you had a tape Walkman, and then I had. Uh, I would have had a CD player Walkman, right? And then iPods, and then phones, and Bluetooth stuff, and 
who knows what in the future downloadable music you know and so it's just in my lifetime just jumped like that um i recently watched a great video i i enjoyed from max egan the crow house and he asked the simple question where did technology come from and and how he goes over how it's just snowballed in recent times and you know um it depends on who you ask that question to. I mean, somebody might say that's into this information, oh, yeah, the Greys gave it to the governments in exchange for allowing abductions, or that they that that our our, uh, our people back-engineered this stuff from the Roswell crash. And these things are all possible, and I, I don't say that they're not, but uh, technology itself is alien to the natural world. So if it came from aliens, it could... You know, it could be from aliens, or it itself is its own alien invasion, and and AI is an alien consciousness coming through it. Just another way to look at it, you know. Uh, just, but it is. It is an invasion, and it is possibly creating this platform for disclosure. Um, come back to that in a bit. So um, last summer. Uh, this is a recent, more recent experience. I went to Iseti Ranch last year and camped for the Skywatch. Iseti Ranch is a stargate. It's run by a uh, famous UFO researcher, James Gilliland, and he uh, has contact with positive ETs, I believe from Pleiades and Andromedans and so- something like that. I didn't really fully get that uh, picture. Uh, I'm sure you can research it. No being lazy but um so sorry about that but um anyway uh anyway this this place you know it's it's pretty famous within the ufo research community and i had to go i wanted to check it out for myself and i was skeptical at first but when you get there it's like the veil is thin and you can see what you you normally can't uh you it's it's uh just a, a spot on earth that that it would be known as a stargate, basically just a, a where the where the veil to other dimensions are thin. Now, Mount Adams is a ten thousand foot mountain, and it had and it's right there, and and it's not far away, maybe like fifteen miles, twenty miles away, and it has lights that can't be explained all over it, appearing and disappearing. And I I saw it with my own eyes, and at first I thought, well, you know, my my uh, my uh, skeptical mind thought that it was climbers with lights on their heads you know but it was too random and these lights would have to be the size of anyway of of like a spotlight you know when they do big broadway shows that kind of thing i mean that's how big they'd have to be to see them from where we were and um you know for them to actually show up that from that far away and i also saw lights above the mountain too so that didn't really make any sense either but anyway, um, you know, so so this was, uh, a, you know, is pretty mind-boggling. And, and a, a little later in the evening, I saw a full-on UFO over fly over us with, uh, like, kind of like three balls or beams of light controlling it. So, so um, you know, and everybody was cheering. And so that was my third UFO scene in my life. I mean, I guess the lights on the mountain were so many that... I've seen many more, you know, possibly a hundred. But anyway, that was that was like a you know a nuts and bolts craft, and and it would flew right over the ranch. And um, anyway, it was uh, 
it was it was interesting to say the least. And there were no gimmicks to this place. I mean, um, some of I think some of the uh, believers were a little out there for me. Some of the people there that not necessarily the the staff or just some of the people that were visiting. But it was a genuine, unique, out-of-this-world phenomenon. And actually, I, I encourage anyone into this information to, to go if you can. Because, um, uh, you know, I was living on, on the mainland for a little bit last year, so I had that opportunity. Otherwise, here in Hawaii, that's not going to happen too often. But um, anyway, but what, what it did is it taught me that this, this world has a veil around it and, and us, really, and really all of these entities are around us all the time too but we just don't see it because the veil is too thick and the world is mainly too distracted and so it it, it reminded me of that and that realized that if you do get quiet and you get into a place where there's no city lights you you, you will see a lot more anyway uh but in the, this place was definitely where the veil is thin so anyway that was the th- that was a, a little story I wanted to get into um, about that. But let's wrap this up here. And um, a few other species that I will mention that are definitely not uh, really talked about that often, but worthy of mentioning because really, who knows? There's thousands of beings, it sounds like to me, that have, have, have visited uh, planet Earth. But there are these uh, feline beings that are supposedly positive. They, they look like cat people. And um, that's, you know, you can see that in, in ancient Egypt with, with just the Sphinx, you know. And, and I, I think that, that, you know, for me to, to, to build a thing as big as the Sphinx, and they never know. They, they don't know where the Sphinx came from. It's older than the pyramids. Uh, to build something like that, it, it, to just oh, because of, be like cats, you know. The, it, it seems like there must be something bigger to that but yeah there, there's definitely something to that and then I mean if you think about it too it's interesting that there's so many animal aliens um, reptilians these feline species or, or insect like beings like mantises I mean they're all based off of earthly things so again that makes me think either they were seeded by these entities or they were taken from these entities, hybrids. Um, well, there's a lot of ways to think about that, really, you know? Or that if none of this exists at all, these are just people's imaginations making these things up. But, you know, I, I, I have a hard time with that, too, because there's so many accounts and everything. But um, consider it all. That's what I say also. But, yeah, it's interesting. But what I mean, what I'm getting at, too, is these things all are earth-based so that means that kind of reminds me that basically a lot of this stuff is not necessarily extraterrestrials like they're actually things from earth always been here since humanity's been here but out of our dimension out of our 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 human sight yeah so and then there are, there are many accounts of, uh, uh, well, more so ancient accounts, but still some people say there are blue people. Well, um, if you look at a lot of the ancient Indian, from India, East Indian art, there's a lot of blue beings, you know, and, and uh, uh, Vishnu, I think, is blue, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so then 
there's those which I don't know much about. You know, you might find a little bit about it on online. The Arturians, they, they're supposed to be tall, white, glowing, and they're supposed to be pretty positive beings. And the Andromedans are supposed to be bald, tall, and positive, and, and very enlightened. And so, um, yeah, there there is definitely reports of positive beings too, and uh, enough people kind of trying to put together a picture. But let's so concluding all this together, all this together paints a picture of our possible cosmic neighbors. It, it's what a lot of different people have said, and and I've heard I've heard a lot of different things, and and uh, I have a back burner full of all types of information that I go, okay, if this comes into the forefront of my mind, that's sitting on the back burner, maybe this will make sense. Maybe. But what I have a hard time with is people who have it all worked out to every little detail. They have this picture. You know, they, they have this this um, um, they have this, this giant picture all put together and they know what's going on and I mean, like, that there's this council of light or, you know, how do they know that, right? Or how, how do they know that what any entity is really here for? And when I hear people that have it all worked out, I don't know. My, my bullshit radar just goes off when I hear people that have it all it defined and it's, it's this and it's only this. And... You know, I, most close encounters have just bits that an experiencer remembers. And most people don't get privy to some giant counts, council of star nations like like, like uh, the Jedi Council uh, in Star Wars or something, you know? Most people don't get into um, global elite circles either and satanic circles and watch people shift into reptilian. So, you know, when... And it's like... Uh, most people's accounts are pretty foggy, and they have little things here and there they remember. But to put it all into this all-encompassing picture is... is um, it feels nice, I'm sure, but it may not be it. And it gets nerdy, too, to me. It feels like some kind of fantasy or lore and it's easy to dismiss all this information from that mindset like that but at the same time it just i i always get suspicious when people have it all worked out and i feel like a lot of people that are are mainstream in this study make things up and candy coat it to sell books and make a living and remember a lot of these people are just making a living off of doing what they love and you know, props to anyone who does that. I'm a t- full promoter of doing that, but um, they're trying to create this polished picture that doesn't really isn't exactly it. And I I feel that we all have pieces of a puzzle, and we can try to link them up and make a picture. But if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, and it's not always going to fit. I mean, look at my situation. I've talked about on episode eighty one which was um, my personal close encounter UFO account, I saw a a landed craft and I ran and went back to where I was sleeping because it scared shit out of me. Um, 
And so I was hiding under the covers, and I saw, I really did see the sky. Uh, I did. I saw the sky turn gold. It, it lit up gold. And I imagined that, that I was seeing grays. And, well, my imagination wandered. But for me to say, yeah, that was grays. They took me in their ship, and that's it. I was abducted. You know, I don't know. But the, the, that's what I mean. I, my imagination put some of that together, and I definitely don't have some all-encompassing picture at all. Um, and we have to remember, too, another thing we have to remember, that military is involved in a lot of these situations. You know, black ops, uh, black funding that is created, also they have these technologies, and they, they are often working with these entities and also are piloting these ships sometimes, so we can't all say that they're all extraterrestrial. We should also never get into trusting any entities either. That's another thing we shouldn't do too much. I mean, that that's, that's um, I, I think, another mistake that some people can easily get confused. Uh, because what do we know? We, we don't. I mean, I know it's, if you, it's heartfelt that it's good, but there could be trickery at hand and if we're dealing with an advanced race of beings and you know we just don't know but let, let's look at what we do know you know uh, many people have been abducted and they've seen greys and, and there's too many accounts to just dismiss that it's just something that is completely fabricated and made up in our minds and enough people have seen them working with military and Nordics as well and enough people in um, satanic circles have have uh, seen reptilian-like things. Enough people in places of high power, supposedly, too, have seen it. And we know that technology is just exploding right now. And it's not just these smart people in labs uh, that are that are ta- that are creating these things. Or we would have hit a plateau. You know, it it keeps on coming, and that tells you that there is a source behind all that. And I think technology was given to our governments. This is me going out on a limb, but I think that it was given to our governments to build a world where these entities can survive in when they come out into the open again. And and, and they're not coming from some far-off star system. They've been here. Yeah, maybe some come and go, but you know these core entities I'm talking about, they've been here. And th- these entities have pro- possibly had to wait till... Humanity is advanced enough, again, like I was saying earlier, to make a choice to align itself with them. And um, I think about it, too. If you look in history, look at the Bible, look at the Sumerian tablets, all, a lot of history, and look at the, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, and that kind of that part of the time. A lot of this was out in the open, and it's not now. Um, you know, the Dark Ages just were the time after the fall of the Roman Empire. So you had um, what they call the Dark Ages because there wasn't a lot of history written and a lot of the, um, you know, it was a decline in technology. And the Middle Ages coming after that um, was kind of a rise to what, at least, and this is just pertaining to one particular place, which was mainly Western Europe. And then you had the Renaissance. And um, so we're talking about the incline, when the Renaissance happened, of a civilization where 
things were actually becoming more modernized again after a period where the Roman Empire, which was highly sophisticated, fell apart. But if you look at these paintings in the mainly Italian Renaissance, yeah, mostly, um, you'll find that there is UFOs in the background in many paintings, such as I've mentioned before, the artist Carlo Crivelli and the, the painting The Annunciation, and you'll see clearly some kind of craft beaming right into the Mother Mary. Also, another one to check out is The Miracle of the Snow by painter Masolino da Panicale, if I'm saying that right. Um, there is a whole fleet of craft in there. Uh, another paint, picture, The Triumph of, of Summer. Another one to check out, The Madonna with St. Giovannino. And another one, Baptist Baptism of Christ, which was painted by uh, Dutch artist De Geld, I think, A.R. De Geld, um, and the Crucifixion of Christ. These are all paintings that are, why? You know, why put those in there? Some people say it's symbology of, of enlightenment, but I, I, I don't know. But, so, I, I really think that they were out in the open. These, these entities were fully fully interacting with society and then technology increased a little too you get more um, like eyeglasses were invented and uh, clocks and things like that and then suddenly they disappeared and to possibly come back later so that's a possibility my conclusion to a lot of this and it can it's very that there's pretty good odds that a negative faction that a negative race of beings will come forth and pose as our creators and I think they first need to put in 5G I think it's part of this puzzle is look how fast they're trying to put it in not only as a control system not only as a way of sophisticating this technology but kind of building a platform for not only AI but a sophisticated technology for these beings to come back into the visual arena and into the interaction of humans' lives. Uh, it, and these beings resurfacing, I would say, could definitely well be the final capstone on the New World Order. I mean, this will rock the world. What would be the most, the, the biggest changing event that could just rattle the world? I think so. The, these beings coming back. And since aliens have been here for this whole time, that these beings have been here the whole time, then I think that it's pretty posit possible that all they have to do is just, at, at the right moment, bring them right back. Now, then there's this, this meme that I really don't like out there, um, that since the aliens have been here the whole time then if they wanted to take humanity over, they would have done so already. But, um, you know, I think it's stupid. The, the system is evil. It was built by evil, and it came out of nowhere since the first civilization, and some type of force was behind it then, and it is still now. And the system itself is alien to real life on the planet. So um, the, the real positive ETs, they know that 
I'm sure that if they're really positive, they know that interfering with humanity does not pardon humans for allowing this system of evil to happen. And humanity does need to learn its big lessons. You know, they might be able to help with the evil, warding off the evil entities, but they need humanity. Humanity needs to learn its lessons, and it's not right now, you know? And um, I think it's pretty much safe to say, too, it, whatever comes out of mainstream media news eventually about all this, that's when we have to worry about. And so that flying tic-tac in the air they, they, they had back in December... That is that is something that, you know, it's like, here, we're, we're going to throw this out. They're going to throw little bits out. I think they're going to throw little bits out and suddenly, boom, here it is. Um, I, like, personally enjoy the work of Tom Montauk. I think he's a good person to listen to. And this is what he has to say in his book called Discerning Alien Disinformation. I think it's a really well put together book straining out a lot of the bullshit. Alright, so he says, Nordics are the ideal superstars of the alien disinformation campaign, followed by Greys, and both may appear together to the world as they already have two abductees. However, the first Nordics to initiate galactic diplomacy will probably be negative types or clones since positive ones are non-interventionalist and would not push themselves on us. Therefore, only the negative factions would purposely step onto the scene, first with fanfare aimed to impress. Discerning individuals would see through their lies, but the rest of humanity would be too dazzled and enthusiastic about welcoming these seemingly heralds of hope, change, and enlightenment. And uh, I see that happening too. See, the, the world is so fooled. And what I mean by the 5G and everything coming in beforehand is, you know, people love their, their entertainment. They love their, their media. They believe it. They eat it up. And, of course, they're going to be dazzled by mainstream media and these heralds of hope, change, and enlightenment. That's what will happen. They could pose as humanity's creators and whatever, be these superstars. And I think that's definitely so. So... Um, just to close this up, I mean, I, I personally, in my life, have been told by two separate insiders that I've met in my life, that I've gone over many times on this show, both have told me, insiders, that th- this all goes extraterrestrial. So I've always known this. Sherman, who was a high-up man in the USDA, told me in very basic terms, because I, I was totally naive and new to this these ideas, basically he said bad aliens are behind it all but there is good aliens and they will help aid us something like that you know if i didn't write it down but i remember words in that arrangement okay and then years later i met a guy named robert and robert was um in you know a son of a deep cia scientist and uh he told me that basically that the the alpha draconian reptilians are behind this whole evil mess that we're in and and so yeah um i'm sure that some of this information tonight that i've gone over is part of the puzzle right and there are many different scenarios that can arise in these coming times i mean there are many things but 
I, and I don't have those answers. I don't know. But you can tell that this modern life we live in is coming to a head. Everything's coming to a head. Everything is going somewhere. And we have to always question the direction of where it's going. Where is civilization and society going? What's, and what's the bigger scenario than an ET disclosure? That's the biggest thing that can happen. Instant change of the world. Instant. And so, uh, I'm just sharing this information with you because any number of these things and realities could be true. But I think it's a important perspective to add in with everything else that gets talked about on this show. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of... Um, perhaps I'll, I'll, in the future, get into more of just a disclosure show. And we're going to maybe... Yeah, I think that would be good to to strain through the bullshit, right? And um, I think that it would help listeners, listener uh, intervention uh, to get in, uh, involved and help me to figure out what next to put in this this uh, series of shows, the Beyond Earth series. That What would you like to hear? Uh, again, you can always contact me at peoplebeyondthis at gmail.com and it can help... Um, you know, if you have any questions, concerns, or anything, uh, any sort of thing you can do, it will will uh, help uh, this show in the direction of it you'd like to see it go, you know? And some people that listen to my show may not like the direction of the Beyond Earth series, but I think it's good to consider all. Just listen and, and take what nuggets you like and leave, leave the rest. I don't care. But here's some people that I just would like to... to bring into this um, research that maybe can help people that I pr- specifically enjoy their their uh, work. Now, um, I mentioned David Icke. Of course, David Icke's great for beginners, and for some people, they hate that he goes reptilian, but I think that it's worthy of reading where he gets his sources from, Credo Mutwa being one of those people. Uh, I mentioned Tom Montauk. Tom Montauk's great. Listen to what he has to say. Uh, very rational mind toward it all. Very, very... Um, good at putting it through a, a, a good filter. William Bramley, I, I like his works. I've read, um, what's that one book, The Gods of the Eden, or I think something of Eden, uh, off the top of the head, I can't remember. Graham Hancock doesn't really quite go extraterrestrial, but basically he looks at, um, he does look at a lot of things that are well worth looking at. Um, Eve Lorgan uh, and Travis Walton, talked about him already. Travis Walton has has good information to listen to as a personal abductee. James Gillian at East City Ranch, I, I really enjoy the energy behind his work and his passion, and he's he's got good a good thing going. And, um, yeah, those are just a few people that you might want to take their information in and consider. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening to this overly long episode. Uh, I might just break it up into two parts. Uh, not, not sure. But, um, yeah, uh, you can support me now on Patreon. So if you enjoy the show, uh, please support me on Patreon. It helps. Uh, that That's listener-funded listener things go a long ways. And, and if you can help fund uh, on Patreon, just find... Uh, me, Loomis of Chanet Down Radio. I'm on there. So please uh, help support me there. Become a Patreon member. And it, um, the more great works I can give you here and guests, and I'll give you the variety as usual. So uh, 
everyone keep chanting it down and uh, be a warrior and not a warrior sift through the lies come out the other side and always grow and learn I hope this this podcast has helped you do the growing and learning and helping you uh, in whatever direction you need to go alright but yeah um, much love you guys keep on chanting down now.